Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at bowlinggreenchristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. All right, right now, that's us. That's where we are. That's our series. We're in the middle of it. If you are just now joining us, we're glad to have you. If you've been with us for a while, we can kind of do a little recap because this whole series is sort of, it's, uh, we're using the phrase right now a little differently. Uh, we're talking about restoring uh, the present moment, uh, making the most of the present moment, making this moment right, making now right. And that's kind of our theme. And, and I know a lot of people, maybe you've started coming to church this year. Maybe that was your New Year's resolution. Maybe you're back after a while. Maybe you're back for the first time. Um, yeah, I don't know how that uh, works to be back for the first time, but, uh, you know, in my mind it works really well. Um, but anyways, you're back. And so here we are, and we're thinking about this. And if you've not been with us, let me just kind of track with sort of the sequence here. Uh, we started this series talking about if we're going to be right now in this moment and do right now, that what we've got to do is we've got to let go of the past. You know, we can't come into this present moment. We can't take a hold of anything else if we're still holding on to the past. So we've got we've to let that go. Last week, we talked about how if we're going to be right now, do right now, care right now, love right now, we've got to be present in this moment. And that means we've got to pay attention We've got to pay attention. That's sort of step two. We've got to let go of the past. We've got to pay attention. That's step two. And now today we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means for us to do right now, to make the most of every opportunity. Uh, and, you know, I know some of you are in different places faith-wise, and some of you are like, man, yeah, I totally get this. And, and others of you, you might be exploring faith. And I would say, I think up to this point, everything we've talked about or something that we could probably all agree on that if we're going to live our best life and we're going to be in this present moment, we've got to do those things. We've got to let go of the past. We've got to pay attention uh, to this. And I think today we could probably agree that, yeah, if we're going to make the most of it, we've got to sort of just seize the opportunity and, and do with it what we can. Uh, all of this is really inspired uh, by writings in Scripture. Scripture's got a lot to say about time. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he's a guy that uh, did not waste a lot of time. He used, I think, probably every moment uh, in a very, very wise way. Um, he was a traveling preacher. He was a church planter. Uh, he was also, we know, a tent maker. Uh, and that word may be tailor. We're not entirely sure what that profession had him doing, but we know that he also worked with his hands. And so you kind of get the sense that while Paul is preaching, he's doing his preaching thing, and he's discipling people, and he's ministering to the church, but that he's also, as he's doing his marketplace thing, as he's, you know, putting together somebody's tent or putting a patch on something, that he's also seizing that opportunity to talk to people about what matters to him. And for him, Jesus matters. And he's passionate to tell people about how they can experience a full life in Christ. And he seizes every opportunity. And he's going to challenge the church in Ephesus to do the same thing. And, and it's this verse that's really inspired the whole series. Um, let's look at it here. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Here's what it says. So be very careful how you live. Do not live like people who aren't wise. That's the, the nice way of saying fools. Uh, Paul says, be very careful how you live. Don't live like fools. 
Live like people who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. The days are evil. Now, there's an interesting phrase in here, because the Greek obviously is the Greek, and it's not English, and it comes across in a different way. Uh, this little phrase right here, this, it's make the most of every opportunity, is really made up largely of, of kind of like one or two words. I mean, we've got a whole sentence to translate this concept. Um, of the King James used to translate it this way. He used to say, redeem the time. So this is make the most of every opportunity, uh, the King James would say, redeem the time. Uh, it's a little bit simpler way. The idea that you're going to sort of grab this moment, you're going to buy this moment, you're going to you know, use this moment. You're not going to waste it. You're not going to squander it. You're not going to let it go someplace else. You're going to redeem it. You're going to grab hold of it and do the most with that moment. You're not going to waste your time because time is a really interesting commodity. You know, we've all got a set amount of time. You know, it's not like money. You know, if you run out of money, you know, you can go make more. You know, you can go earn more. If you've got too much money in a present moment, you could save it. You know, you could say, you know, I don't, I don't need all this right now, or I know I'm going to need it later, and so I'm going to save some money. And that way, you know, the money that I've got now is going to be waiting for me at a later period in time. Time doesn't work like that, though. You can't earn more time. You know, you can't make more time. And if you're not going to use today, you can't be like, you know what, today I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm going to save it for later. It, it doesn't work like that. We kind of kid ourselves. We live in a time and a place where, you know, if you drink this or you, you put this, you know, potion on your face or your hair or you get this procedure done or you get this injected, you know, you might look younger. You might look like you've got more time, but really you don't have any more time the amount of time is what you've got. And so you can't save it. You've got to make the most of it each moment right now. That's what I think Paul is getting at when he says this. He says, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be a fool. Don't think that I'm going to have more time later. Paul says, no. The only moment you have for sure is this moment. You can't go back and relive the past. You don't know what the future holds, so you've got to seize the most of this moment. Dave Ramsey says this about money. He says, if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. That's true. Same thing's true with your time. If you don't tell your time where to go, you'll wonder where it went. I mean, how many times have you maybe finished up a day and you're like, man, what have I got to show for today? I feel like I wasted the whole day. I have these moments where I really, honest to goodness, enviously look at the UPS driver. Because the UPS driver, he starts his day with a truck that's full of packages. And then at the end of the day, the truck is empty. And if you were to ask him, what did you do today? He'd be like, well, my truck was full. And now it's empty, and people have their packages, and I drove all around town, and I delivered these packages, and people were happy to see me, and it was an amazing day, and I think that's awesome. Because there's a lot of times when I'll leave the office, and I'll be like, what do you, what do you have to show for your day? I'll be like, well, I did some emails, and I typed up a sermon, and I did some reading, and I called some people. I got nothing to show for my day. I mean, you know, I, this guy, he's got an empty truck. That's proof that he did something. And, you know, we get caught in these moments where it's like, what are, what are we doing sometimes? And I think the way that we work, it, it, it kind of 
I feel like sometimes we diffuse our injuries. Sometimes we get scattered. Sometimes we just waste our time. I think often when we think about using our time, the, the, you know, in our minds we're going, the biggest evil that could happen is I could do something really bad with my time. I don't know that that's the case. I wonder if it's just doing nothing with your time. And maybe that's not just as bad. Um, I remember, I have a distinct memory of totally wasting an entire day. I, um, growing up as a kid, we didn't do a lot of video game stuff. We just didn't have it in our house. It just wasn't anything that was big in our house. And so when I went to college, a lot of people had, had video games. They played video games. They played games on their computers. And, and so, I mean, it was, I was kind of, you know, getting introduced to this. And one guy had this game called Caesar 3. I don't know if anybody ever played this game. I think it was called Caesar 3. It might have been called something else. Um, I, this is how long and involved I got into it. But uh, the, the, the crux of this game was you started with like a small village or outpost, and you would invest in different things, and you maybe put a, an army here or there, and you would, could build like more houses or a library or whatever. You had some capital, and you were trying to go from like a village to like building Rome itself. So this, you know, this, for some reason, this had a lot of attraction to me. I'm sure it says something about me and my ego and my personality and all this. But anyway, so you're, you're trying to become Caesar. That's the whole goal. I know, this, this, this sounds terrible. So anyways, for some reason, I'm just, I'm, I'm caught up in this, and, and this friend of mine who had this computer, I didn't have it on my computer, he was going to be gone for the weekend. He said, hey, Saturday, if you want to just use, use my computer, that's fine. Nobody's going to be using it. I thought, well, this, I'm going to become, I'm going to become Caesar. I mean, I'm, that's it. I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to win. I don't even know what it looks like, but today is the day I'm going to do this. And so I had breakfast, and then I sat down. I'm like, I'm going to play this for a little bit. Uh, I look at the clock. I've missed lunch, and it's now like five, six o'clock. It's getting close to dinner time. And the only reason I quit was um, some like marauding barbarians had come in, and I don't even remember all this with great detail. And then a pestilence came through. That was a real problem. And then some of the peasants in my little uh, community uh, decided to burn the whole place down. And so it was gone. It was gone. I had eight hours into this thing, and it's just leveled. It's just a pile of smoldering rubble. And I remember coming out, and my eyes are like red and bloodshot, and all my friends are like, where, where have you been? We've been looking for you. What, you weren't at lunch. We haven't seen you. My roommate was like, we were, we were mildly concerned. And I said, I'm, I lost it all. I mean, I just lost it all. The, the whole village, it's gone. It's, I've got nothing to show for it. You know, this was a good thing, actually, because I, it cured my desire for video games. Like, after that, I was like, I don't ever want that to happen again. Like, I don't, I don't need it. I have no desire anymore. It totally cured me. Whatever desire I thought I had, it's totally gone. So, not been a problem for me. Not been an issue. I, but I look at that time, and I think about that, and I go, man, that, even at the moment, I was like, wow, this whole day, I could have done so much more. Hey, parents, let's be honest. Do you ever look back at the time before you had kids, and you think to yourself, man, I could have, like, I could have cured cancer. Like, I had so much time. I could have cured cancer. I could have, like, solved the debt problem. You know what I mean? I, I, could, I could be an Olympian. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things I could have done with all of that time. Where did it go? Where does the time go? What are we doing with it? That's the question. Now, this isn't to say that you've got to live your life full-on intensity and be like, I can't take a break. No, Scripture tells us there's, there's seasons and there's rhythms to life. And yes, you, you, know, you should work hard and then you should also play hard. And Scripture tells us, yes, you should rest hard. You should do all of those things. You should do all of those things. But the, but the key that I think Scripture teaches us from the very beginning when God talks about Sabbath is He says, I want you to use your time wisely. I want you to use it intentionally. And so often we just don't use it intentionally. 
We just kind of go through life, the path of least resistance. Really, really interesting study. Uh, people had done these surveys with folks who'd had near-death experiences. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you see them on TV from time to time. They're always like, everybody's always on 48 hours. You know, they died. And then all of a sudden they saw a light, and then like grandma was waiting for them, and somebody was there to meet and hold their hand. And, and they looked down at their body, and they looked down at all the people crying. And, and I mean, there's books been written about this. I mean, all these things. You know, I, don't come to me after service and be like, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. People have these things. Is that an angel? I'm not sure I didn't meet it. You know, I don't know. I don't know any of these things. All I know is that this is a phenomenon, and it happens all the time. And well, I mean, let's not get carried away. Not all the time. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because we're not. I'm not all that interested. And so, you know, there's these people that have these near-death experiences. That's that's the point. And they did a survey of these folks who had this experience where they died, but then they came back. Like for whatever reason, they came back. And they wanted to know this: Are people different after they have a near-death experience? And so this was the study. And the answer profoundly was yes. If you have a near-death experience, your life is profoundly different. It is profoundly changed. Now, there are some things that aren't positive, but by and large, they are. By and large, it's a pretty, actually, you know, I don't want to say it's a good experience. I don't think anybody wants to have that type of experience, but it's an experience that has some pretty positive effects on people. Here's some of them. A survey found that they had a loss of a fear of death. They said, you know what? It wasn't that bad. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really hurt the way that you think it would. Uh, I'm not afraid of it. They had an affirmation in the belief of an afterlife. Uh, they had an increased awareness of meaning and purpose in their life. Uh, they looked at their life and they said, man, there's things I want to do. There's things I have to do. Uh, they had an increased sense of uh, self-esteem. Uh, they also had a better attitude towards other people, uh, that other people noted that they were more open and caring and loving. Now, what changed this? What changed their life from one moment to the next? It was they had this brush with death, and they realized life is short. I need to be careful about how I live. Now, you compare this group of people with the nearly 600,000 people that every year will have a bypass, a heart bypass in America. You know, the kind where they put you out and the heart comes out and they replace veins and they put new arteries in there because if they don't, you're going to have a heart attack and die. You compare those people with the near-death experience people. They both have this really traumatic experience. You know, the, the cardiac folks in the hospital, they're there, and, you know, and the little nutritionist comes in and she's like, you know, you're supposed to eat just vegetables and, you're not, you know, chicken, you know, um, you know, all of these kinds of things. You've got to stop smoking like a stack. You've got to stop drinking like a fish. You know, you're going to have to lose some weight. And they give you all of these things you're supposed to do. And everybody sitting in the hospital is going, you're right. I need to change my life. And they have this moment. I'm, things are going to be different. Now, the interesting longitudinal study following up those folks, uh, within a year, 90% of those people are back to the same lifestyle that got them there. So, so just put this together in your mind for a second. You've got these people who have this, like, this near-death experience, and you've got these other people who also have, you know, it's not quite a near-death experience. Like They didn't technically die, but they could have. And I think it just tells us how stubborn we are how set in our ways we are, how careless we are, that unless like, you literally get to death's door, that you just can't seem to get it together. I think Paul would say that's foolish living. I think he says you've got to be careful how you live, not as fools, but as wise. 
Eugene Peterson, uh, who's a sort of a hero of mine in ministry, he said this. He said, so much of pastoral work, he said, is this. It's helping people prepare for a good death. I, I get that sounds morbid in a time and a place where we don't want to talk about it, but it's true. It's helping us to realize, man, life is short. I need to make the most of it. I need to make the most of every opportunity. Now, Paul's going to encourage the, the church throughout the letter to, to submit to each other in love, and to, he's going to talk about how they should live in their families in a way that is loving and affirming, and he's going to talk to the church about how they've been brought together in Jesus, and what Paul is really telling this church at Ephesus to do is to, to make a difference, make the most of every opportunity by investing in the people around them. He says, you know, there's a lot of things you can invest your time in. There's a lot of places you can spend your time. But I want you to use it investing in other people. Because investing in other people, that's the one place you can, you can invest your time that has the capacity to last for eternity. And so Paul says, let's invest in other people. Let's invite them to come closer to Jesus. Let's invest in them, helping them live the, their life to become the best person that God has created them to be. And let's invite them to get closer to the God who created them and loves them, and, and wants them to, to live as he created them. Now, this can happen in a lot of different places. You know, here it, it happens sometimes in community groups. You know, when people get together, it happens on ministry teams when people work together. You know, it can happen outside of church. It can happen at work. It can happen in your home. It can happen at your school. It can happen when you're out with friends. Anytime where you spend some time with somebody and you intentionally invest in them, and you put into them, and you're saying, man, I really want you to, to live your best life. Man, that's, that's what I think Paul's talking about, is this investing in other people, making the most of every opportunity. The problem is this, is that opportunities normally show up as inconveniences or problems or crisis. That's normally how opportunities show up. You know, it's a friend who's going through a hard time, and they, they want to they talk. It's a neighbor whose battery has died in their car, and they really need some help. It, it's, it's a co-worker who, who really needs you know, some assistance with a project on Saturday. It, it, these are the opportunities that God normally puts in our place that, that allows us to invest in people, to invite them to come closer to, to God and to the, the life invitation that He has for them. And so the question is, are we going to make the most of these opportunities, or are we going to minimize them? I think sometimes we try to talk ourselves out of these opportunities by saying, well, we're not capable of this. I, you know, but the problem is this, is that we're almost all capable of giving a helping hand, of giving a listening ear. What it really takes is a willing heart. Do we have a heart that's willing to be inconvenienced for others, to make the most of every opportunity, to invest in them, to realize that we can't save this moment, so we've got to make the most of it? read an interesting uh, you know, feel-good news story. Um, CBS picked this up. Brian Swank was the principal at Pinewood Elementary School, Pinewood Elementary School, someplace out in Pennsylvania. And they had a big snow and ice storm came in, and they'd let the school out early to get the kids home. The problem is they didn't let out soon enough. The storm came in faster than it was supposed to. And so you had a bunch of kids stuck on this bus uh, one of the kids had called the parents, the parents had called the principal, and, and you know how this goes. You get phone calls, and anytime kids are involved, everybody's, you know, the, the, the tension level gets up real high. You know, I, I get that. On a side note, though, I used to always tell our, our youth group, if we took a trip, I'd say, listen, there's like 20 of you here, and an A starts at 90%, and so I can lose two of you and still finish strong. 
don't make it be you. That was sort of the, the starting conversation point. Anyways, that's for free. There will be no quiz on it later. Anyway, so Brian Swank is there, and he's got this bus that is stuck in traffic. Parents are calling. Everybody's in, you know, uh, high alert mode. He, he actually calls to some kid on the bus, and they're like, the little kids are freaking out. And so he's like, somebody should do something. And so he FaceTimes this kid, and he's got a stack of children's books, and he starts to read books to the kids, and he starts to show them the pictures. And this goes on for four and a half hours. But you know what? That made a difference. This is a guy who said, you know what? This looks like a crisis, but it's really an opportunity. The question is, do we have those eyes to see? I mean, he could have gone home and said, well, you know, you're on a bus and I'm in my office and there's really nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. I wish I could. But he said, you know, I bet there is something I could do. I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. I'm going to seize it. And that's what makes the difference between a crisis and an opportunity. Each moment is what we make of it. Each moment is what we make of it. It's not like a bad time or a good time other than you've decided it's a good time or a bad time. John Chrysostom's an early church leader. He, he lives somewhere in the 400 AD zone, and he comments on this passage. He says, when Paul says the days are evil, he doesn't mean they're created evil. He doesn't mean like you woke out of bed and been like, wow, man, this is an evil day. You know, the, the forecast for evil is 100% today. It's not that. Paul says, you know, we get in this habit of talking about, you know, I had a terrible day. Well, what, what made it terrible? It wasn't the time itself. God didn't create it evil. God didn't create it bad. It's what happened in the day. It's what we filled it with. It's what other people filled it with. And Paul says the alternative to this is you're going to just take control and say, I'm going to make the most of it. And that's the interesting thing about that word, make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time. The word there in the Greek is this like, it's, it's a word that's like exaggerazo. So you put that together, you kind of figure out what's the root of that. Well, that is where we get the word exaggerate, right? You know, exaggerate, what's that mean? It means to make a big deal out of something. You know, you're making a big deal out of it. You're exaggerating this. And in fact, that's what Paul's saying. Look at this moment and exaggerate it. Say it's a big deal. Make it a big deal. So many of you know Joe West, you know, who led worship here for a long time. One of the things I love about Joe is every moment is a big deal with Joe. You know, he had this moment. He loves to tell this story where he had this moment where his heart, you know, pretty much exploded and he was, you know, was about to die. It, you know, his life was saved, and so he really had this sense, man, I'm taking a breath. This is a gift from God. I put my feet on the ground this morning. It's a gift from God. My heart is still beating. It is a gift from God. I had people come up to me from time to time and, and they'd ask me, they say, is, 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 it like, is Joe really like that? Is he like always that intensely happy? Is he like always like, like at 11? Yeah, that's kind of how he is. Like I've never seen him less than 11. That's, that's how he operates because he gets it that every moment is a gift. And he exaggerates it in a good way. He makes it a big deal. And I think that's what God's calling us to do, is to make a big deal out of every moment, to live it with intention and focus and passion, to make the most of the time to invest in others, to, to, to make it a big deal, to invite others to come to get a little bit closer to Jesus. You know, one of the sayings that I've sort of uh, lived my life with uh, came to me from high school. I remember so little from high school, like very little. I took an accounting class. Let me tell you the only thing I remember from accounting. 
Uh, there was debits and credits involved, um, but you don't want me running the books at your place, I promise you. They don't even let me touch them here, which is a good thing. Uh, I remember our accounting teacher would say this. He would say, make it a great day because nobody's going to do it for you. That's about all I've got from high school friends. But I'll tell you, I think that's an important lesson. We've got to make it a great day. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to do it for me. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. And so here's, I want to wrap up kind of with a challenge here today as well. I want you to think about how you can make the most of the time, in particular, how you might invest in somebody else's life this year. I want you to think maybe of just one person. I think sometimes we come up with these big lists. Let's just, let's keep it real simple, just real simple. Let's just pick one. Who is one person you really want to invest in this year? One other person that you want to make sure that you seize every opportunity, that you, that you invest in them to help them become who God's created them to be, that, that you maybe invite them to get closer to Jesus. I, I want you to think about that. Who are these people? Who is this person for you? I, I've got one in mind myself. Now, as we did last week, I kind of want to leverage technology again, leverage, you know, uh, reminding, you know, last week I challenged you to remind yourself in the morning and the evening to take some time just to review your day, to be present. Today, I want to remind you like every week to set a reminder or put a sticky note someplace or write it in your planner if you're one of those people, you know, invest in this person. I've done that from time to time in my life. I've done that for several people in my life where I'll just say, hey, invest in this person. And sometimes that means I pray for that person. Sometimes that means that I invite them out to lunch. Sometimes that means I, you know, I talk to them or, or we, you know, I have a phone call or sometimes that means something else. But it's just being intentional. Because otherwise I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that this year. But then it goes on and weeks go by and months go by and nothing happens. Let's be people that make the most of every opportunity. There's a lot of different ways you can invest in people. You know, get together with them for breakfast, lunch, or coffee. Uh, you can forgive people. Uh, looking at people when you're talking with them instead of looking at your phone, that's a great way to you know, make an investment. Uh, ask them how they're doing and really listen. Offer to help them with a project on a day off. Uh, there's a hundred different ways. But the, it starts with this one, which is making a decision to make the most of every opportunity and invest in them. I, I want to pray for us right now that we would seize this time, this moment, to make that decision and to invest in somebody's year. So why don't you stand? I want to pray for us as we uh, take this on. God, right now, I pray that you'd bring to our minds that one person that we could really invest in this year, somebody that we could really pour into and encourage this year. God, as we think about that person, it might be a family member, it might be a, a child, it might be a spouse, it might be a coworker. Would you, God, give us the tenacity to not give up? Would you give us the mindfulness to remember to invest in them? And God, would you give us the awareness and the sensitivity to make the most of every opportunity that you give to us? God, you give us so many opportunities. You give us so many invitations uh, to, to partner with you in serving others and sharing your love with them. And it's my prayer, Lord, that this year we would make the most of those. It's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Uh, right now we come to our time of decision, and perhaps you've got a decision to make, whether it's to receive Jesus Christ or whether it's to become a member of the church. If you've got one of those decisions, we're going to invite you to come forward right now as we sing this song. Otherwise, let's use this time to really be intentional about making a difference in somebody else's life this year, to invest in them, because time is short. You can't save it, so we've got to make the most of it. Let's do that this year in 2019.
Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.